0: No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, few a few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. This is For His Namesake. Hello, hello, For His Namesake family. It's been a while, and uh, for good reason. <laughs> Let's just say this topic is apropos, considering uh, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but spirits and principalities and things of the higher. It's been a rough, um, month. Um, I'm sure not just us, as we know, the word says that, uh, to be sure that, uh, you know, that not only, um, do we go through things on our own, but that the household of faith also endures such things as which, um, we all are becoming more increasingly aware of. And, uh, that is spiritual warfare in prayer. Um, you know, it's, it's, a it's not just a lackadaisical, you know, easy come, easy go kind of, uh life for the prayer warrior. Um, We find ourselves on our knees before the king as often as possible. And the Lord is in his mercy, continually stretching his hand towards us, giving us that which we don't deserve. And Whether it's, um, you know, holding something back from um, destroying us or a number of other things. Um, And uh, I got to tell you, man, my faith journey, if I can put it that way, began on my knees in a shower uh, detoxing from alcoholism Uh, even though I grew up in the Lutheran church and you know would come and go in a non-denominational periodically Um, you know even some some decent ones where you know I had almost began to follow the Lord and then the seed didn't take root and uh, I'd walk away or whatever the case back to my alcoholism and uh, my party lifestyle but I'll tell you one thing for sure I had a heck of a prayer life when I did commercial fishing. Uh, You know, I'd talk to the Lord as often as possible. And once again, it was uh, seeking Him again. Like I said, I was very nominal at best. You know, a uh, sad thing was, you know, if I went to church, usually it was uh, drunk. You know, uh, once I was about around 17, 18, 19 years old. And I would find myself sitting there going through the motions, you know, with no sincerity, sadly. But um, when I worked in commercial fishing... (laughs) Usually, ironically enough, you know, in the shower, when you have private time of some kind, I would uh, be in prayer, you know, especially when it was really rough waves, when it was really, really bad. And I thought, and I'm talking Dutch Harbor people, I'm talking, you know, deadliest catch kind of waves. Okay. Like not, you know, a bad day, you know, in the Pacific, uh, I'm talking like really, really rough stuff to the point where the boat, you know, possibly God forbid, if the engine shuts down or something happens, you can just as well be thrown over anyway. Yeah, I prayed a lot then, and God was merciful even to an unbeliever, or at least someone who wasn't really uh, sincerely following Christ. I hadn't been born again of the Holy Spirit, um, to say the least. I was basically just a beggar looking for bread, and as soon as I got my bread, I ran off again, you know, happy with uh, happy with my crumbs. But uh, <clears throat> nonetheless, the point being, and as far as concerning the way to which I took um, hold of prayer was in the beginning of my faith journey, whereas I had moved to Texas and I'd gone back fishing. And then I came back, began uh, getting into alcoholism again, was on the doorstep of poverty. I was about to be kicked out of the house I was living with, with the woman I was living with in sin. And um, I decided to go out and drink one more time. And I made my way back to the uh, apartment that we lived in and uh, went to wake up. And uh, she came back and we argued and she left. And then Unfortunately, I went to wake up again. Well, fortunately, now in hindsight, of course, right? But unfortunately, I went to wake up and um, I began to detox and immediately thought to myself it was a panic attack. So I tried to go to the bathroom to wash my face off. That wasn't working. I began to convulse. I have no idea. Blacking in and out made my way into the shower somehow. Tried to turn on the shower and, um, you know, close half off the whole thing. And uh, stuck on my face, there was just such a weight on my back, I couldn't even stand up. I mean, I couldn't stand up if I wanted to, and and despite the convulsing, trying to get up. Excuse me. Anyway, long story short, um, I had three questions posed to me, and it was uh, very loud and clear. What'd you do with your life? Where are you going to spend eternity? And what about your kids? And I said, I don't know, but Lord, if you pick me up, heal me, I'll never drink again. And uh, that's exactly what happened. I've been sober for 11 years now. All glory, praise, and honor to God was completely delivered from alcoholism. I never had any classes or went to detox or anything else. I, that was it for me. And anybody who knew me back then can attest, that is a miracle. That is an absolute miracle. I tried to quit I don't, countless times before that. Tried to uh, walk the straight and narrow countless times before that. And it just was not a thing. It was not going to happen apart from Christ. And I was born again of the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Spirit right there in the shower. I got up. First thing I did was pull the uh, Bible that was given to me by uh, the woman whom I lived with's um, cousin, Johnny. Pulled that Bible out of the closet, began to read it. <clears throat> the woman I was living with sin in. Came home, looked one look at me and said, I don't know what happened, but um, you're definitely different. And I said, yeah, I follow Jesus Christ. I'm following Jesus Christ now. And of course she flipped out and made a big deal of it. Long story short, the Lord got me out of there and moved to my aunt's house and, uh, and whatnot. And then for my aunts and eventually got my own place in Oregon and uh, the Lord opened the door and uh, you know, the rest is uh, history. But here's the point through every lull, through every valley, through every height, everything I have ever needed has been answered to the glory, grace, and mercy and favor of the only true and living God, Jesus Christ. Period. Everything I've ever needed has been given to me. My wife, my children, the roof over I head to the bed that I sleep in, my daily bread, all of it is all to the glory of God <clears throat> and all because of answered prayer. It is really just that simple. Um, I've had times where I've been hungry and, um, Literally had nothing to eat and uh, would pray. Okay, Lord, I, I need help. I don't know how I'm going to make it. And at that time, I had a GoFundMe. <clears throat> this is before um GoFundMe became so woke, as it were, the woke joke that they are now. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, I said, Lord, I need your help. Sure enough, somebody out of nowhere didn't ask for help, nothing. Just boom, 20 bucks. Daily bread. God promises daily bread. And uh, he would bless me, take care of me. Uh, I needed work. A I, I, man does not work, should not eat. I prayed, Lord, find me work. Please help me. Give me something. And the church opened the door to me being able to work for ver- various elderly people and people in the church community. And I would go clean their yard. I would go do whatever I need. And the Lord spoke to me very clearly at that point. He said, Chris, I got plenty of work for people who want to work, but I got no work for people who want to be lazy. And I said, that's awesome because basically what that means is, the Lord's always going to open the door for me to have somewhere to work by his grace, unless he's got something else for me to do. And this is the thing, folks, you can't be in a relationship with somebody you don't talk to. We are to pray without ceasing. That means if you find yourself with breath in your lungs, you are to be praying until we go home to the Lord that I feel like not feel like it's a wrong, it's a wrong precept, um, a wrong preface. Um, I know, I know that I know that I know, that to truly have, and not just what what I know, but I know it because the Word of God makes it clear, um, that we'll get nowhere in this life apart from Christ, as you can do nothing apart from Him, and the only way you can be working for Him is to be in His will, and the only way you can be in His will is to be in His Word, and the only way to be in His Word is to be in prayer, because you cannot understand His Word truly apart from prayer. The Lord will speak to us through prayer. Um, I think of great men of God like George Mueller, who literally uh, brought an entire orphanage out of nothing but prayer. Literally nothing but prayer. Some of the stories, if you've not read George Mueller's biography, let me tell you something, you are, <clears throat> you're doing yourself a huge disservice. Uh, if you've not read the biography of a guy by the name of Praying Hyde, you're doing yourself a huge disservice as well. The man, in fact, who um, was actually George Mueller's, um, I don't know what you would call him per se, but uh, inspiration, I guess, in one sense, was a guy by the name of, I think it was A.N. Groves. You can look up his biography as well. He's known as the father of the faith movement, uh, faith and prayer, basically, or faith missionary movement. A.N. Groves is an amazing man of God. I cannot express that to you enough. If you've never heard of A.N. Groves, Look him up. Another guy, if you don't look him up, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. Uh, These men were just star words in the faith movement and prayer. Uh, These guys could shake mountains. These guys were tearing down strongholds. And I'm not talking the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, you know, Essex W. Kenyon uh, garbage, okay? This ain't no Joyce Meyer. This ain't none of that garbage. This is the real deal Holyfield. These dudes were serious about their faith and literally ready to put it all on the line, and many times did, and God answered him. One of my favorite stories, towards the end of George Miller's life, he started to do a lot of touring. Um, many, you know, books he had put out, uh, had put out at that point, uh, many were just ginormously blessed by, and so um, he decided to go on a book tour, basically, right? <clears throat> and so he's pulling up into, into Canada, I want to say Vancouver, on a boat, and the captain's saying, Look, guys, we're not going to make it on time. The fog, this fog is just insane. It's way too thick. We could hit another boat. And we're talking way before, you know, well, not way before, but pretty close to before the industrial age. So we're not, you know, we're not too far beyond, maybe at best they can get through there with like a really good um, light of some kind, but they didn't even really have that available to them. Anyway, point being, <clears throat> it's a real crappy situation, okay, to, to put it <laughs> to put it in today's terms. And so he gets the captain. He says, Captain, come down to, uh, come down to the, the galley with me and let's pray. And he takes him down there and he goes to pray. And the captain's about to pray. And he says, no, you know what? Let me pray. You've already decided it's not possible. I will pray for us. So George prays and he says, let's go have a look. And they go upstairs. And sure enough, the fog had completely dissipated. They could see exactly where they needed to go. And they got exactly where they needed to be. And George's response was, 50 years I've been following my Lord and he has never ceased to put on a show. In other words, the Lord answered his prayer for his glory and for his namesake. And this is what it's about, folks. It's seeking the will of the Lord in prayer. This is one of the things that I I daily ask in prayer. Lord, help me in your providence, in your power, and in your provision. These three things I ask for not always the same way. It's an organic relationship. I'm not talking about religion here, but it'll come up in various ways. Another great thing that can help you pray is Ephesians 6 as well as the Lord's Prayer. One of the great things is you can pray scripture. And it's not, to me, I, I'm not going to tell you this is how you have to do it because it's your relationship with the Lord. It has nothing to do with anything with, um, you have to do it this way. If it's not special you know, God won't answer you. No, listen, you, the Holy Spirit makes intercession. Sometimes all you got is groaning. So you pray how the Holy Spirit leads you to pray. That's none of my business. But one thing I will tell you that helps me is our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespass. Forgive us who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, right? But deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever, Jesus' name, amen. You go, okay, Chris, great, Lord's Prayer. So what, now you're Roman Catholic or Lutheran? No, 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 no. My point with this is basically the Disciples' Prayer is what it should be called. But the thing of it is this. You can take these principles and you can pray these principles, just like Ephesians 6. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but spirits and principalities, things the higher, right? You can take that, but you can also take the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the shield of faith, the quench of fiery darts enemy, the belt buckle of truth fitted to around the waist, and the shoes fitted with the peace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can pray these things. So usually, now mind you, this, uh, not like I said, this is, uh, it's got to be organic, okay? I can't tell you how to do this. You do it as, like I said, the Lord, the Lord leads you, but it's something to the effect of, Thank you and praise you, Father God, for waking me up today. I thank you and praise you for the helmet of the salvation, Lord God. Thy salvation is sure because it is in Christ. It is not in me, but Lord God, it is in you. Thank you and praise you for the surety of my salvation, Lord God, that, that you have marked my forehead, Lord God, that you have another name for me in heaven, Lord God, that I am I am with you for eternity, not because of anything I've done, but because of Jehovah's sick canoe, the Lord, my righteousness, that he is my righteousness. Thank you and praise you, Father God. And the breastplate of righteousness, Lord God, you are my righteousness, that that righteousness is found in Christ alone, through faith alone, through grace alone. I praise you and thank you for that, Father God. Thank you and praise you, Father God, for the belt buckle of truth, which is tightly around my waist, Lord God, that that truth grips me daily, Father God, as my walk with you may grip those around me, Lord God, to get their attention and glorify you, Father God, as truth by definition excludes and includes everyone. And you are the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, Lord God, praise you and thank you. So you get the idea. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not my will, Father God, your will be done. Show me your will, Heavenly Father, today. Show me the direction you have for me. Keep me the narrow path towards the narrow gate. Give me a hunger for your word and a thirst for righteousness. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven. Give me my daily bread, Father God. You are my bread, Heavenly Father. You are my bread, but Lord God, please... I find my satisfaction in you, Lord, but please, I pray you would help me in this feeble body to find the bread to which I need to continue to work for you, Lord God, in my daily life for your glory and for your name's sake, Lord, in whom all glory, praise, and honor belongs. So you get the point, right? You're just basically taking the principles as the Holy Spirit leads, right? And and praying, it just helps. It just helps. I think it's, it's not the fire, but it's good kindling, if that makes any sense, right? So it's good to get a good kindling going before you set the fire. Uh, is the best way I can explain it. Now, my prayer life is just barely, once again, getting back on track. I go through, like everybody else, I'm sure, um, <clears throat> well, not everybody else, it's sort of a blanket generalization, there's some real star words out there, but, you know, I pray daily, of course, but I mean, really praying, I mean, really praying, like Leonard Ravenhill would describe praying, I've just barely been trying to get back into that the past couple of weeks, like three weeks now. Or I've just tried to do my best to make it a point in the morning before work to really seek the Lord in prayer. Even if I miss out on my devotion time, prayer is more important. Because I can get devotion time during the rest of the day at break or something else. I can read the word and, and seek his face. And you know, If I can do both, praise God, I'll do both. But I cannot miss on real prayer. Really seeking the Lord in that morning. Uh, from everything from supplication, right? To intercession, to thanksgiving. Um, to to seeking God's wisdom and his will. These things are not optional, saint. They are not optional. We cannot have a living, breathing, organic, solid, faith-built, principle built on the bedrock of the word of God relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ apart from prayer. It is the most important thing. You know, I can give you the quips and the cliches all day. Um, you know, that, uh, you know, seven days without prayer, you know, it's like seven days without bread, you know, you're, you're hungry and that's true. You're hungry for the presence of God. And this is the thing, folks, I'm not talking about, you need to speak in tongues. Okay. If you speak in tongues, great. I do believe in the gifts. I, I absolutely believe in every gift that the Lord to which is given us in his sovereignty through his Holy spirit. Uh, I believe in them as, in as far as they are proclaimed biblically. In 1 Corinthians 12, and in Romans as well, um, to which the gifts of pro, there's a gift of prophecy, which I mean there's forth telling and foretelling, right? There's forth telling, the word of God, preaching the word of God, and then there's uh, a foretelling. In other words, the Lord gives you a specific word, and then even within the context of that, If you've been given a prophecy, it still needs to be broken down by somebody else. Someone else has to interpret it. If there's a gift of prophecy among you, then there has to be, in God's providence and His will, someone who can interpret it. Uh, Obviously, that's what the Word of God says. Not my opinion. It's the final authority. Period. End of story. Full stop. Now, within the context of prayer, I believe God's given us some real intercessory prayer warriors. These people have been born and called to intercede, to pray. And they're not the most eloquent and uh, fascinating, fancy, unction-filled Holy Spirit believer you've ever met in your life. These people are usually pretty quiet, actually. They don't even talk a whole lot because they're too busy praying in their heart. But uh, I can tell you one thing we can learn from them. Uh, The Word says uh, very clearly um, that in many words, sin is not absent. It's not about how many words you speak. It says not to speak too many words, for your Father is in heaven, you are on earth right? It's not about the words. It's about sitting still before him and listening. And as you pray, as the Holy Spirit leads, you just pray earnestly. means Mean what you're praying in sincerity to the glory and grace of God. And listen. Oh, sit there and listen. Tozer, A.W. Tozer, was known to pray. Oh man, could he pray. But you know, the funny thing they don't tell you is Tozer's biggest thing was listening to God, listening is a ministry in itself, just being quiet before the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lord. And this is the thing, worshiping him in the spirit of holiness. And uh, to do so, you know, let's be real, you know, uh, even great men of God coming before the Lord had to have their lips burned with coal because he said, oh, Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell amongst a people of unclean lips, you know, and, and we want to be faithful to God in that sense that we don't want to, um, we don't want to speak out a turn, if that makes sense. Listen for the Holy Spirit. Listen as he speaks to you as well. Ask him to silence every voice but, but the voice of the Lord, you know, silence your heart before him and see what he has for you and just spend the time in the morning. You know, it doesn't matter what time necessarily, but I do believe there's just, I don't know what it is. You know, I've heard other people say this too, but it's true. I find at least there's a special time in the morning to spend with the Lord and a day given to the Lord is a day well spent. A day not given to the Lord is a day also well spent, but spent out of control generally. So don't waste your time not praying, uh, find the time to pray. Um, I can give you many, you know, super pious quotes about prayer. Believe me, they are many, and a lot of them are true. Uh, Don't get me wrong. But, you know, the biggest thing about prayer, simply, you know, Nike beat us to it, I guess, just do it. Just get it done. It is the most important act of the day. Uh, Not act. It's not an act. You're not fake. But it's the most important thing you can do in your walk. I believe, personally, I have found in my walk, um, that I can do with my day so many people want to sit down and become you know theologians so many people want to be teachers and preachers and and uh, tick-tock theologians and all this other kind of crazy stuff nowadays and You know, I, I personally will never take anybody seriously who does not have a serious prayer life uh, And that's not to say they're bad people or they look down on them by any means I just mean take them seriously concerning their walk with the lord anything they have to tell me theologically um, if it's, you know, not ran through prayer and the Holy spirit first, I just, I can't trust it. And that goes for myself too, especially, you know, if, if I'm reading the Bible and I haven't been in prayer, um, yeah, one, I can't really understand it as well. You know, I don't have as many, um, um, uh, revelations, you know, I don't have as many, um, as well, uh, uh, good understandings that generally I would have, of course, if I started with prayer first, or at least pray while I'm reading, and um, Yeah, like I said, it's just, it's not an option. One of the great uh, fathers of the faith, of course, our our wonderful brother, um, you know, Paul made it very clear. His ministry, you know, was nothing apart from prayer, that he had nothing um, but that which was given him of the Lord. You know, I can't imagine how much he prayed before he had his scribe write down, um, you know, what he wrote down as the Holy Spirit had led them. You know, this is the thing, too. I mean, just... As we do all things, uh, do all things unto the Lord, he will prosper us. And uh, God has a great and uh, mighty plan for us. But once again, if we're not quiet before him, we won't know what it is. The other thing that gets me, you know, you have so many people, so many churches with programs, you know, and Leonard Ravenhill had a great point about this. You know, you've got many people who want to get together and they want to organize, but you have almost nobody who wants to agonize. I mean, get before the Lord in an actual prayer group, you know, I won't even go to a church that doesn't have a prayer group. It's a waste of time. You know, they believe they can make it on their own. You might as well just go be a part of Tony Robbins club. You know, it's humanist at that point. You know, if you don't believe the Holy Spirit's leading it, you know, you've got some new program or something to bring people in like some kind of uh, social welfare gospel or some kind of garbage like this, you know, I mean, cults get built on such precepts, you know, avoid that kind of garbage but uh, rather those churches that have prayer groups. And I mean real prayer groups. I mean like hyper-Pentecostal swinging from the chandeliers, you know, um, neo-Montanism garbage, nothing like that. I'm talking about real prayer groups. Uh, One of my favorite stories about the revival, I may have told it before, Andrew Murray that broke out in the Karoo in South Africa. One of the great revivals that broke out there was pretty funny as they had a prayer group. And uh, so did Andrew Murray's dad, Andrew Murray Sr., I believe his name was. And he would prayed for revival for like 25 years. And uh, <clears throat> the funny thing was, it didn't come to his church, but it came to his son, Andrew uh, Murray Jr., essentially, you would say, I guess. And um, to, the w- to the way to which it came was pretty funny, actually, because <laughs> he was a Reformed Dutch pastor and had no real belief in the gifts necessarily, had no real belief in, in charisma, um, had no real belief in the moving of the Holy Spirit necessarily, you know. Other than people being born again of the Holy Spirit, you know, it's kind of a sessionist, if you will. And uh, funny enough, the Lord just just blew his mind away when he came into church one day, and apparently found a bunch of people on the floor crying out—I mean, screaming bloody murder—crying out to the Lord in repentance, and and just for forgiveness, and just just losing their minds, so to speak, over over. Um, trying to, you know, uh, repent of their sins and come to the Lord. The Holy Spirit had just been poured out upon this place. And people were repenting. They weren't doing weird dog. They weren't barking. They weren't laughing. They weren't, you know, uh, doing backflips and all this other kind of disgusting, demonically driven crap. They were crying out for repentance. And this is the biggest thing, folks. Wherever the Holy Spirit comes, he cleans house first. Whenever the Holy Spirit comes in, whether that's in your personal prayer life or outbreak of a revival or whatever the case, he comes to clean house. Simple as that. And you have to be sincere before him and he will do a mighty work. And that's in our first John 1, 9. That's in our personal lives as well as in the corporate life, the corporate life of the church. And uh, anyway, so Andrew comes in to continue the story. Andrew comes in and says something in Dutch like, all of you shut up, get up, get up, get off the ground. And the Lord had just struck him. Uh, uh, right to the heart and said, look, buddy, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, look, if you don't get out of the way, I'll remove you from here. In other words, I'm doing the work here. This has nothing to do with you, and you can either be a part of it, or I can remove you. And uh, he understood right then and there that he was going to be a part of it, and uh, praise God for it, because some just an awesome work began through Andrew Murray. Also, great books on prayer by Andrew Murray as well. And uh, one of the last books he wrote on on uh, his prayer life and, and uh, just a book he put out in general is actually on healing. It's kind of hard to find. Apparently Andrew Murray had gotten out of the ministry, and lost his voice for a year, went to Wales, uh, minister prayed for him and his voice came back. He was healed, supernaturally healed to the glory of God and, and lived the last bit of his life, um, teaching and preaching out in the Karoo. He'd gone back out there and uh, fell asleep and died in his chair at a ripe old age. I think he was like in his seventies, I wanna say, seventies or eighties, I believe. But uh, he had gotten um, something with his lungs, unfortunately, respiratory, and he had unfortunately uh, went home, well, not unfortunately, but you know, went home to the Lord. Can't kill a Christian, just change his address. But nonetheless, he was a faithful preacher. Man, praise God for that guy. These are wonderful examples. These are the the awesome um, cloud of witnesses to which we're surrounded by. Saint, we want <laughs> we want to be as close to the Lord as we can get here on earth. I find it hard to believe. Somebody claims that they want to go to heaven, that they believe they're going to go to heaven, yet they don't want to spend time with the God of heaven here on earth as much as they possibly can. I just, I'm sorry personally, I find that hard to believe. Um, and that's not a pious, self-righteous condemnation. I don't mean that either. I just, I, I mean, it's just a, a point of common sense, you know. I think to some degree, a principle of common sense, you know. If somebody says. Oh, I love the Lord, and 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 I know He loves me, and um, you know, and, and I'm walking with Him, and and I love Him, and yet they have no prayer life. I'm sorry, that's just hard to believe. Um, anyway, point being, nonetheless, um, you know, we find throughout Scripture many, many, many awesome times of prayer. Of course, we find, um, <clears throat> literally Paul coming back from the dead. We find uh, when he was thrown out of a uh, thrown out of a city of course, and the Lord had brought him back. He said, well, it's got to do with prayer. I'm pretty sure there was somebody praying for him. Now, I can't prove that. And where there's no scripture for it, you know, we we don't want to uh, say that, uh, thus saith the Lord by any means. But, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure they prayed over him. But um, anyway, points in this sense. Another one that's a really good story too is a missionary family. I forget which one it was. It may have been Jim Elliott or someone else, but apparently... It's an older story, too. You may have heard it before. But the story goes, some missionaries out in the field in South America somewhere um, had been trying to reach this uh, certain tribe or whatever. And long story short, um, they finally they got a chance to meet the tribe. And um, the tribe only had one question for them. Who are those huge men sitting on the outside of your tent? We had actually come a couple times to, uh, we were going to honestly kill you and take your stuff, basically, is what they told them. And they said, we don't have any men and they said, what are you talking about? Come now, you must be lying. There's huge, tall, like 10-foot men in front of your guys' tent. And we were so scared that we wouldn't do anything. And they had, of course, realized at that point that the angels whom the Lord had given charge to look over them must have been uh, manifest in, in enough to scare those guys off. Uh, there's another story, of course, where a, um, a uh, I forget it was an African tribe, if I recall correctly, was actually on their way to go destroy a... Uh, uh, pastor's home and and his church and apparently they had gotten a bunch of people together and they were going to get rid of these Christians and and yada yada and apparently the pastor was in prayer that morning praying for protection he knew that there was something possibly coming their way and uh, sure enough this truck (laughs) drove off a cliff for whatever reason somehow and and it killed everybody in the the vehicle he said well those are all great Chris but what about the ones who still get persecution what about those guys well look at Richard Wulmbrand, you know, um, sure he came through the persecution, but not all of, uh, the brothers in Romania did, you know, and God has his reasons and what we'll, reasons we'll only know in eternity. And, uh, but the point is irrespective of that, that the Lord gives you grace in those moments. I believe Dietrich Bonhoeffer, though he was martyred, you know, uh, just before that happened, before he walked up to the gallows there in that Nazi internment camp. Um, I, you know, the story reminds me of, um, Right before this had happened, they had stripped him naked, talk about awkward, and they had called a bunch of people, or he, excuse me, he had called a bunch of people to have one last service with him, but there was an atheist with him, and he said, I'm not going to have the service unless it's cool with the atheist, basically. And the atheist had said, okay, and of course, you know, Dietrich, being the smart evangelist he is, knew that would probably prick the guy's heart, especially at such a moment as this. So the guy comes up and has service with him, and they all take, you know, take communion, like a good Lutheran and, uh, they all take communion and, and, uh, he begins to pray and he gives a short message. And as he's walking up to the gallows, it's reported by one of the, um, one of the officers there. They said he looked like a man on a Sunday stroll without a care in the world. He went up there, took his glasses off, handed it to the guard, hung him like, like he was on a Sunday stroll. God gives us that grace, I believe, in those moments, but it's prayer because of a solid prayer life that we're prepared for those moments. That's another thing that prayer gives us, preparation. When we're in prayer, preparation, power, and provision are right there when we need them. It was spoken of D.L. Moody. You know, people used to say it was so compulsive. People would walk up to him, ask him this or that about this or that, as it were. Hey, can we do this today? Should we go do that tomorrow? Uh, should we evangelize here? Do you want to go here next week? Um, you know, et cetera. And people will say, oh man, he's so compulsive. Uh, he just answers people. And, and this was of course because John 7 apparently wasn't recognized first, right? Which is we don't judge by appearance, right? But uh, rather we judge with righteous judgment. And in order to judge with righteous judgment, all they should have done was ask him a question. <laughs> Why do you seem to answer so quickly? So finally they did. They asked him, and said, Brother, why do you seem to answer so quickly to people? And he said, because before I ever began my day, I already prayed for divine appointments. I already prayed God would give me the answers before I spoke to these people. Never trust a pastor who does not begin his day with prayer. I don't care how good he is. I don't care how charismatic he is. I don't care how much he claims to know, how head smart or anything else. Nope, do not trust that man unless he has a solid prayer life. Period. Because he'll be driven by his flesh. It's just inevitable. Because if the spirit is not leading, the flesh will inevitably take over. It's just the way it is. It's just the dichotomy to which we live in. The way that God's created us. You know, if it wasn't too good for Jesus, why should it be too good for us? Jesus constantly did that which his father told him to do. Period. Why? Because he was constantly in prayer. Yes, there was Gethsemane. Of course. You know, great. Uh, picture of prayer as well, an agonizing prayer. Um, there's also fasting that comes with prayer as well. You know, if you the Lord's leading you to do something really serious, whether it's start a church or go here or there or <clears throat> ministry opportunities, even if it's just at your job, you know, prayer and fasting. You know, the Lord gives us strength through that. He heightens our awareness of things. He uh, brings us closer to him. He reveals to us, especially one of the big ones in fasting, he reveals to us how weak we really are. And where our hearts really are, right? And it uh, becomes very uh, clear to us the things to which we need to rid ourselves of, whether it's irritableness or anger or bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, uh, pride, etc. Whatever the case, the Lord reveals those things to us, especially when fasting. And if those are the things in the way of Him using us, man, that's a quick way to get rid of that, I'll tell you what. Um, and of course, only through prayer can that happen. And then, of course, action, you know. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10.5, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ and casting out every thought that avails itself against the knowledge of God. And we do that in prayer and the word, obeying the word. Prayer is useless apart from obedience. That's another principle. You know, you can pray till the cows come home, but if you don't obey the word, what good is your prayer? You know, I mean, it kind of reminds me of that story. There was a woman sitting with her dean of the college. And she's talking to him about how much she needs help and she can't find a job. She can't, you know, get next month's tuition and uh, just looking, you know, looking for a way to to get out of the situation. She's just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Finally, another student walks in and says, hey, I don't know if you know, but they're they're hiring down at the Pizza Hut. And uh, she says, oh, oh, OK. Thanks for telling me. Goes back to telling him, telling the dean, I don't know what I'm going to do. And this is what I mean to say is she had an opportunity to obey. God had gave her a job at that point, right? She had an opportunity to obey and, and and praise God for answered prayer, but rather she was so focused on her flesh, so focused on herself, she missed the opportunity. Forget who, who said this, but it's a good quote. Opportunity comes knocking on our door, and we answer it, and it's wearing overalls, and we turn him away. The reason we turn him away is because he looks like work. Prayers work. But many, many opportunities with obedience and prayer come our way to glorify God, the thought, word, and deed. And we are absolutely useless, useless apart from prayer. God will not use a man who is not in prayer. Simple as that. Or He will, but not for, maybe not for your best your best ends. I mean, maybe in His mercy. I mean, who am I to say, I guess, in one sense. But, yeah, it probably put you in situations that lead you to prayer so that you get a prayer life. I can tell you that's happened to me many times. That's kind of why this season, this last three weeks has been what it is. It's leading me to prayer because I haven't been uh, really praying, praying. Like I said, really getting on my face and seeking the Lord. Um, but like I said, I'm basically, basically useless apart from it. So uh, I absolutely have to be in prayer, especially with this next season coming up. And, you know, I just, I have absolutely no power apart from it. You know, I can't trust my day apart from it. You know, and the thing is, man, you got to remember with prayer, the the real interesting thing is we think, you know, if we pray, everything will fall in place, everything will go hunky-dory, everything's going to be perfect. No, not at all. The Lord did not stop the lions from from surrounding Daniel. He just saw him through it and gave him peace through it. And the Lord didn't stop Nebuchadnezzar from putting the boys in the furnace, right? But rather he put Jesus in the furnace with them, And nothing touched them. Prayer does not always mean that everything is going to be perfect, hunky dory, and and just awesome. What it means is God's going to see you through whatever it is. And believe me, this is a hard lesson learned. (laughs) It really is. But the one thing you don't want to do in those situations is turn against God. Don't make the foolish, stupid mistake of beginning to hate God or get angry with him because things don't look like you think they should. Remember, Jacob had to wrestle with God, he had to wrestle him for the blessing sometimes we got to wrestle. We got to wrestle with the Lord in the sense of, in prayer, coming before him, humbling ourselves, really humbling ourselves, not coming to him, telling him what to do, asking him, what would he have us to do? And then getting in the word and finding out whether through, you know, sometimes Proverbs is a good one, Psalms, all the word of God, of course, it's God breathed, all of it's good uh, for life and godliness. But, I'll tell you, man, Proverbs is my favorite book, personally speaking. Get into Proverbs if you haven't, just as a side point. Um, But anyway, the point being is, nonetheless, within the context of prayer, um, saints, I'm telling you, you can do no better, no better, than simply humbling yourself before the Lord and asking Him what He would have you to do with your day. And I'll leave you with this. So the story goes, D.L. Moody, funny enough, had uh, been... Um, really dry for a while and he couldn't figure out why He's getting tired just kind of felt like he was running in circles in his ministry you know, one of the greatest evangelists of all time and um, you know, it's understood that he was getting pretty tired well long story short you know, these two ladies come up to him and they said listen sir the Lord has told us to pray for you you need to be baptized in the spirit and uh, he tells him basically oh I'm fine thank you ladies keep praying for me appreciate the prayers and moved on with life well a couple months go by Ladies come up to him again, sir, just want you to know we're praying for you. And he says, oh, okay, thanks. Thanks for your prayers. Finally, he's dry. He's done. He can't handle it anymore. And the Lord speaks to him, says, go talk to those ladies. And he comes up to him after church one day. He says, ladies, I can't handle it anymore. I'll take anything. What do you got? So let's go to the back. They prayed for him and the Holy Spirit fell on him and he was baptized in the spirit. Now, whatever your theology is on baptism of the spirit or 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 no theology at all. Maybe you're sessionist. That's fine. That's none of my business. I know even Calvinists that are uh, that still believe in the gifts, so that's not a you know an automatic uh belief, just just so we're clear on that. But um <clears throat> not everybody's John MacArthur and can't understand the word clearly. Sorry. There's nowhere in the Bible that says the gifts ceased, uh, and that's a fact. But um anyway, the point is he was baptized in the Spirit and he said to him, it was like literally where he was fighting upstream, running upstream, doing as much as he possibly could before the waves would wash him down again. He said now, rather, he was going with the stream and going with the wave. Why? Because he got up every day and asked God what he wanted him to do that day instead of telling God to bless whatever mess he had um, appointed himself that day. And that's what we got to be doing, folks. We got to get up in the morning and ask the Lord what he has for us, divine appointments, whatever the case, and make ourself available. But be in prayer. Remember, principles of prayer are everything from forgiveness to intercession to supplication. If you don't know what these words, Google them. Look it up. It'll come up. It's usually pretty easy to find. But intercession is to pray for others, right? Um, simple as it can be put. Uh, supplication is praying for a specific thing uh, for yourself or family or friends or whatever the case for a specific thing. Um, and then of course there's, <clears throat> um, um, praying for, uh, provision and power, uh, these things as well. And of course for forgiveness and forgiveness, first John one, nine is the big one, man. Oh yeah. I don't even start my prayer without asking for forgiveness, um, in the power to, uh, repent of those things and uh, obey the word instead of my emotions. And uh, that's where we find it, folks. I'm telling you, you want, if your life is dry right now, if you're just, you feel like you're not, you're walking in circles, having a hard time, get a prayer life, get a prayer life, okay? And especially right now, especially right now with all the spiritual warfare is going on in America, folks, it is absolutely not even optional, biblically speaking, let alone just conventionally speaking right now. We have got to be in prayer. We've got to be praying for revival, for starting with us, starting with ourselves. Oh, Lord, revive me again. Revive me again, Lord. should be our prayer daily. Revive me. Rip any, Rip any area of me, any root of deadness. Just remove it, Father God. Remove it that I may follow you, that these roots will dwell in the living water, that it might supply me in your perfect and pleasing will and glorify thee, that I may abide in you just like a tree abides in the sun if we abide in the sun the fruit of the spirit galatians 5 19 through 22 well 22 specifically will become a natural part of our lives and that's what we want folks who want to we want to 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 grow that fruit naturally and not try and push for it um just by simply in prayer dwelling in the sun the lord jesus christ We will produce that fruit, like Papa Chuck said, right? Chuck Smith made this point, and uh, it's it's stuck with me for good reason. So, folks, um, I'd be remiss to uh, not pray. And I'm going to go ahead and do a little prayer here. And I hope it blesses you and blesses us. So, Father God, I just come before you in humility. Anyone listening to this who made it this far through the podcast, I just pray, Lord, you would give them a mighty prayer life, Lord. Pour your Holy Spirit upon them. Break them free from the bondage of anything that keeps them from a solid prayer life, Heavenly Father. Bring bring all things to memory that which you have taught them, Heavenly Father. I pray your Holy Spirit would intercede, Lord, that they would be not just uh, talkers, but listeners, Lord. That they would sit before you in humility, Father God, listening for what you have for them to do that day. I pray, Lord, that you would order their steps, stops, and thoughts, guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, weld their eyes and ears, give them a hunger for your word and a thirst for righteousness, keep them to the narrow path towards the narrow gate, Heavenly Father, gird up their inner spirit, man, Father God. I pray, Lord, especially in this wicked and evil world we now live in, Lord God, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon them, Father God, that would be mighty men and women of God, Lord, to do your glory for your namesake in these last days, Lord. Lord God, whatever gifts you may have given them, Lord, that they be manifest in their life and thought, word, and deed, and used of you mightily through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Father God, if they believe yet by faith, the faith of a child, Lord God, you will give them that baptism, Lord, and I just pray for that, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that charisma, Lord, would just fall afresh upon them, and I just pray, Lord God, in whom all glory, praise, and honor belongs, anyone listen to this, who doesn't know you, Lord, by chance happens to Uh, come upon this. I pray they come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. pray for the unbelievers, Heavenly Father. Give us a burden um, for the lost, Heavenly Father. Give us an opportunity to speak to them and make us as bold as lions for the gospel of Jesus Christ, Heavenly Father. And let thy enemy have no gainsay over us, but that we might speak thy truth with boldness, love, understanding, wisdom, and knowledge, Father God. And that we be sensitive in the Spirit, Father God, to know what to say and when to say it, Father for your glory and your namesake, Lord God, that we speak with unction, authority, Heavenly Father, and love. And a preeminently love that we don't be clinging symbols, Lord. For your glory and your namesake, Lord, we praise you and thank you. We offer these prayers, Lord, in the mighty and awesome name of Jesus and all God's kids said, Amen. Alright guys, this is For His Namesake. Have a blessed week. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.